Well, as I recall, I was sitting in my office and I get this knock on the door from this strange guy who says that he's a doctor and um, lives across the street. Likely story. And, uh, and he has an idea. And that's usually a really good way to start a sentence with me. Welcome to Season 5 of 76 West, recorded appropriately in an office at the corner of West 76th Street and Amsterdam Avenue in New York City. In past years, you've heard conversations with some of the great thinkers of our time. This season, you're going to hear the voice of one of them, Rabbi Joy Levitt. Sometimes she'll be by herself, sometimes accompanied by the amazing people who helped make the program she shepherded a reality. Joy works, worked, best in collaboration with others, people who pushed her, prodded, who inspired her as much as she inspired them. That's going to be, is, her legacy to the Marlene Meyerson JCC Manhattan, a spirit of positivity, of moving onward and upward, taking a simple idea, a Jewish community center, and elevating it beyond what anyone would use as their definition. groundbreaking Edmund J. Safra Parkinson's Wellness Program was founded in 2007 to help improve the lives of those impacted by Parkinson's disease. Through education, exercise, support groups, and other programs, and in collaboration with the medical and local communities, people impacted by Parkinson's remain active, connected, and empowered. Through a collaboration between the JCC and the National Parkinson's Foundation, supported by Northwell Health, the program has grown into a hub for the New York Parkinson's community and has been adapted nationally. In this episode, we'll hear Rabbi Joy Levitt discuss the founding of the program with the driving forces behind it, Caroline Colas, the JCC's Senior Director of Health and Wellness, and Alessandro Alex DeRocco, Neurologist and Director of Northwell's Movement Disorders Program. As the Director of the Movement Disorders Clinic at at the time at NYU, Dr. DeRocco, was managing uh, the clinical work for patients with Parkinson's and um, had an idea that exercise and programs in a community center might slow the progress of Parkinson's because this is a place filled with life. And it might make a difference whether you exercise in a hospital filled with people who are ill or you exercise in a JCC filled with people who are well. Um, And that was, as I recall, the genesis of this project. And of course, first of all, you don't say no to this guy no matter what he asks you. But that was such an amazing ask. And, And and Dr. DeRocco wanted to do this as a clinical trial. Um, and so <clears throat> that's how I remember. How do you remember it? Dr. DeRocco. The fact that I live across the street is not irrelevant because I was coming to JCC programs. So I was coming to a number of, uh, number of events, I come. And every time I came, I, it struck me, this mix of... Uh, youth and older, people with a cane and people with a stroller, 
um, and and a, and a vitality which was um, vibrant. You know, he, he, he sort of permeates uh, the moment you enter the building. One time, um, actually, came to an event was uh, was uh, actually a Primo Levi event. Came with me a, a person with Parkinson who was also a friend, and we were sort of wondering. We had the catalog. And we were wondering, gee, wouldn't that be magnificent if we could have this at NYU? Uh, and then I clicked and said, well, it's going to be hard to move this to NYU, but what if uh, we sort of see whether they would um, consider um, doing something with us? Here's Caroline Colas. So I was brought in the very beginning, and what I remember most the thing that catalyzed the importance of this particular partnership and endeavor for me was a story that you told me, Dr. DeRocca, about a patient that you had that had gone to a yoga class somewhere in the city. And she had found this yoga class, and she loved it. And at the end, she was so thrilled. And the teacher came up to her at the end of the class, and I said, said I'm so sorry, but you cannot come back because your shaking disturbed everyone. And that mortified me, and it broke my heart. And I thought, you know what? We have to do this. This is something we, we, we're not quite sure how we're going to do it. It's never been done before. But we have to do this, because that is a wrong that needs to be righted. I remember the first meetings, and I remember the difficulties of the two languages, the two cultures coming together. There was my colleague, who unfortunately passed away, Gladys Gonzalez Ramos, who was a professor of social worker at NYU. And coming here with, with the technical language of, of um, you know, outcomes and uh, you know, function, and I was embraced instead by a culture of community and empathy and social isolations. And I can tell you that merging of culture transformed me transform hundreds, maybe thousands of people who have joined the program. And not exaggeration, transformed the world of Parkinson because this was the first experiment of a community program for Parkinson at a time when this was unheard of. Just as we have with our young adults on the autistic spectrum, we started out thinking we were gonna change their lives. And we, somewhere in the middle, realized that they were changing our lives. And what I mean by that is, we thought that our goal was to make sure that person had a good yoga class. And your goal was to, to slow the pace of this horrible disease. It turns out that our goal was to learn not to avert our eyes, to see the humanity. You know, in Hebrew, we call it Salam Elohim, to see the image of God in every single person, to see what that person can do, not what that person can't do. And then we're changed by this. The caregivers are the other aspects of, uh, of, this, of this disease. We're spouses, we're friends, we're companions. And... Um, it becomes overwhelming, and then, uh, the, the, the sad figures is that there is a higher rate of suicide um, among caregivers than there is among people who have Parkinson's disease. Um, and 
does a silent victim because even when in the clinic we um, see the patients, we, we work with the patients. The caregiver is, is a silent witness um, and there is nothing out there, not, not even an acknowledgement and sometimes even the family. In the family, if anything, sometimes, you know, the children criticize, you should do this, you should do that, why don't you done that? And this, this sense of um, overwhelming um, impotence, fatigue, uh, helplessness becomes, becomes really a, a, a casualty uh, on its own. The very fact of acknowledging this, the very fact that there is a place where there is um, a program, uh, a meeting of people that can can just say, "I'm you're welcome here, and there is a, um, there is a space for you, and we can what you're what you're facing is not is not unique, um, and uh, uh, there are ways in which um, we can sort of come together and discuss and find resources and ways for you to, to be well. Um, an exercise for you, not just for your, your partner, your, your, your spouse who has, uh, who has Parkinson. Um, and that I think has been, uh, again, transformative and unique. Dr. DeRocco and Joy have always challenged me to have the hard conversations, the conversations that people aren't having. And one of those is in relationship to caregivers and what they're experiencing. And even in our fitness classes, we started with like four fitness classes. But before we did that, it was important that we used a team approach. And in Parkinson's at that time, that was an innovation that um, Dr. DeRocco really wanted us to emphasize, and also Gladys as well. So our entire team went to the uh, ATTP, Allied Team and Training Parkinson's program. We had the entire team, and it was the first time in the Parkinson's world that fitness professionals and healthcare professionals were together. And that was a part of the vision. And we really looked, we had a social worker, Amy Lemon, and Gladys uh, Gonzalez-Ramos were working with us hand in hand. And it was a partnership between a medical institution and a community center. It engaged fitness classes, it engaged um, a week, a monthly uh, kind of meet and greet. There were social, social programs. We also had three annual updates and research that we did three times per year, and we had a symposium. And then, of course, we represented the, the community in the Parkinson's Walk. And then we quickly realized that we needed to replicate this program and help other JCCs uh, be engaged with, with this project. And as I recall, we were looking for JCCs that had fitness centers and had high capacity that were near centers of excellence um, in the Parkinson's world. So they needed to be near hospitals where this work was being done. Um, and as I recall, um, we did this in Boston, Greater Washington, oh, Tampa, and in Chicago. And um, we, we ran conferences for them to learn this program and to train them. And there was even some part of the grant that went to support their programs. Um, 
so it it felt like like we were expanding our universe beyond um, just the Upper West Side, which is a pretty big universe to begin with. But but that I think was also a, a really important part of the program. As a person who spent his whole career uh, in Parkinson, uh, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that this experiment, this program, changed the face of Parkinson throughout the world. Um, it may sound hyperbolic, but it's not. And, and of course, uh, there, are other, there were other experiments, there are other people who were um, doing other, other programs. But that community programs um, need to exist and need to fill that enormous void in the lives of patients was unheard of 15 years ago. Um, the recommendations to the people was stay home, don't go out, avoid falls, stay safe. Um, there is no proof that exercise is any good. Uh, there is no way in which we can, even physical therapy was considered useless uh, for people with Parkinson. That's only 15 years ago. Um, and now the idea that community programs ought to be part of the, uh, the care I was just at an at a, um, international committee on, uh, on the care of Parkinson, and casually uh, the, the, the JCC was mentioned as kind of a matter of fact, you know, as part of things that become history, and nobody really knows how the history became. Of course, we're going to work with, uh, with the JCCs around the countries and this and this and that. And, and I kind of smiled inside because, you know, uh, there's someone with a probably you know, there's no idea that she was someone much, much younger than I, uh, so I'm 20 years younger. And One of the goals was not just to create these exercise classes. And then at a certain point, Dr. DeRocco had an idea that creative arts ought to also be part of this program, singing being one that would maybe help vocal cords. But the image that I remember was... If we trained our staff, brought everybody on our staff, then if somebody took a cooking class, and not a Parkinson program cooking class, but a JCC cooking class, and that staff person was aware that there's going to be somebody in your class with Parkinson, so just watch that person so that he or she feels safe with that knife. They can use the knife. Just watch, right? Just watch. And ultimately, we became, I'd like to think, probably not perfectly, but a, a place that not only Parkinson's patients could feel safe, like this is my home and they're looking out for me, not just in this exercise class, but in that cooking class. I mean, let's face it, we're not the Culinary Institute of America, right? We're not here to train chefs. We're not here, you know, like if you come out of a cooking class making good challah, you know, or you know how to cook chicken 10 ways, you know, we're not here to do that. We're here to create community. We're here ultimately to help people make friends. We're here ultimately to combat the biggest health crisis in America, which is loneliness. It's not Parkinson's, it's not cancer, it's not heart disease, it's loneliness and the depression that, that follows it. So if that teacher is trained to watch the person with the knife, they're also watching something else go on. They're watching 
somebody alone who doesn't have anybody that they know in the class. They're watching um, somebody who maybe hasn't figured out exactly how to measure ingredients. They never got taught. Maybe there's somebody on the spectrum in that class. We're all just different. And instead of watching for sameness, we're watching for difference. And, and I think in the end, like if we can do that, we're doing what we're supposed to do. Seventy Six West is a presentation of the Marlene Meyerson JCC Manhattan. The series was produced and edited by me, Eric Winnick. Our theme music was written and performed by Peril Wolf. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out the other seasons of Seventy Six West, available on iTunes, Google Play, and anywhere else podcasts are available. You can also listen to our episodes at mmjccm.org/76-west. Please subscribe and give us a rating on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. Every little bit helps. Until next time, we'll see you around the neighborhood.